Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Welcome inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and as we head to week nine of the college football season, the Heisman favorite and the quarterback of the best team in the country is going to be out for several weeks. Chris, how is Alabama now going to deal with the loss of Tua Tungavailoa for several weeks? Well, he's going to be back for the LSU game, so he's going to miss the Arkansas game this week. Um, you know, so as it appears, uh, it's it's going to be out this week. He'll be out next week, which is the week before the open date. And then I think the key is going to be in that third week, how much practice reps can he get for the for the uh, for the LSU game? So, um, barring any setbacks or any unforeseen circumstances, the plans after the procedure that took place early Sunday morning is that he'll be back for uh, for the LSU game. This it'd be a good time to talk a little bit about the tightrope procedure, which I've learned a, a, a you know quite a bit about. It is a it's a pretty new procedure that was invented by an Irish doctor and basically high ankle sprains. It's really not the ankle. It's the, it's the tibia and the fibia that connects to the ankle. Yes. That's the high ankle. So what it is, is they go in and take screws and they take surgical wire and pull the tibia and fibia together. Cause what happens in a high ankle sprain that, that, the, the soft tissue swells so where the tibia and fibia, if, if you, if you think about it, it just kind of opens up. Sometimes there's a fracture. Sometimes there's not. The biggest issue is the soft tissue injury. And the reason why it takes a long time is that healing needs to take place. Well, what they literally do is go in and drill holes and have the surgical wire and pull it back together. So it reduces the recovery time. And here's the other thing. They don't have enough of a sample size, but to this point, it basically stabilizes it where the risk of having a high ankle sprain again in that same ankle is, it's not eliminated, but it is much, much less. Um, so it's something that, you know, you don't want to do from a preventative standpoint, but when you have it, it, it uh, I think it's something that's going to be, you know, if it continues to have the same type of results, it's going to be pretty revolutionary because that injury is very prevalent and it takes a lot of time to heal. You can reduce it by a significant amount. So, uh, you know, that I thought I think it's interesting kind of what they've been able to do and how they've done it. Of course, he had a little bit more time, uh, like 28 days, I believe, recovery time last year. Yeah, he was out for uh, four let's weeks last like year. It, yep. Yeah, it was like 28 days. I mean, you know, so it was it was. Um, look, he's not going to be a hundred percent when he comes back for LSU, assuming he does, which that's the plan. As I said, it's not going to be a hundred percent. It's just not going to be, but he's going to be a lot better off with this procedure. It appears than if you had to go the normal way where it's, it's really difficult. Look at it, it, it in short, um, two things. It, it probably makes LSU the favorite in the game. We'll see mm -hmm. what it does. 
it it kind of I think is going to cause Alabama to refocus a little bit in terms of their direction. Going to have to rely more on the run game. Going to have to rely more on the defense, and we're going to see how this plays out. Look, they've got Arkansas, which is a beyond bad team right now. So it's going to be more like a scrimmage. It's going to be interesting what they do this week in practice, the time that they spend in practice next week, and the time that they spend in the following week leading up to you know the LSU week, what they do and what changes that they make, modifications that they make going forward so that, look, I don't think there's going to be a lot of mobility. I can already tell you a little bit of peek inside the game plan of LSU there. They're going to try to pressure him a little bit more. He's not yep. going to move quite as well. Get him off the mark. Those are things that you try to do, and that's what uh, it 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 affected them last year, no question about it. And to think it's not going to affect them this year would be foolhardy. It's it's going to make it uh, even more challenging. Which again goes to show you maybe the clear favorite this year. The injuries on defense. We talked about the injury to the quarterback and how difficult it could be. This is the the worst. What's not the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is if he was gone for the year. But um, this certainly is for a team that's fueled by their offense, which is fueled by their quarterback. Um, getting the ball to those great receivers, it's not going to be the same. Is it going to be good enough to win the West? Stay tuned. We'll have to figure that out as we go. Talk to me about about Mac Jones, Chris. Who is this kid and what can fans expect to see in in a game? What you mentioned is probably a glorified scrimmage against Arkansas, but who exactly is Mac Jones? Mac's a good young player, smart, works hard, understands the offense, but he's no Tua. He's not as accurate. Ball doesn't come out as quick. Uh, I think what they're going to have to do, work a little safe pass, the improvisational you know, a play extensions that Tua makes not going to be uh, as effective. Um, the timing, the ball coming out, as I mentioned, it, it, between the receivers and him, not quite the same. Don't have as many reps. So there's going to be a lot of extra time needed with him and the receivers to try to develop the, the timing that is going to be so important. Listen, you're, they're, they're not going to be the same with Mac Jones. So they're going to have to rely on the receivers making plays after the catch. They're going to have to rely on their backs being more of a factor, and they're going to have to rely on their defense being more of a factor. Here's the thing. It's, it's one of those deals. And I use kind of the analogy um, with the Kansas city chiefs having to deal with, okay, Patrick Mahomes out for three weeks. Well, mm -hmm. they can't be, it can't score 45 points a game anymore. Well, guess what? Defense, which has not looked really good. Got to step up now beating a, bad Bronco team last week is not an indication that all is fine with the defense, but now all of a sudden the defense can't be the co-stars in the feature film. Now they got to be the stars. They have to come out and make a statement. And I think a lot of times teams take on an identity based upon what they are. Well, Alabama's identity has slowly but surely drifted towards the offense the past couple of years. And now it's going to have to say, all right, defense, you're going to have to step up. You're going to have to do more. You're going to be home against LSU. You're going to have to find a way to get off the field. We're going to have to run the football. We're going to have to keep LSU's offense off the field a little more. You know, this is going to be the challenge, and you're going to have to do that. That is that is going to be their challenge because really outside of LSU, Auburn to some degree, that that's that's it. That's, that's what they have. And then the conference championship game, whoever makes it there. So – 
Uh, it's it's going to be a challenge. And and I would say go so far as to say that I thought it was a close matchup, but going into it between LSU and Alabama. And again, God knows we even though it's it's uh, this week's a big week, and you hope that good health for everyone involved on everybody uh, all the time. But if it stays the way it is now, I think LSU would have to be the favorite. Um, if if two is not healthy, not playing effectively, or if for some reason there's a setback and he can't play, I think it would be uh, a long shot for Alabama. Do you, to think, do you think, Chris, that there's a scenario that we could see Talia, Talia Tungavailoa to his younger brother, who's the freshman backup now to Mac Jones? Do you think there's a chance we could see him get some action? Not unless Mac Jones really struggles. So here's how to how it works. Mac is get the number one reps as opposed to the two reps. Uh-huh. What they will decide in short order, um, if uh, uh, you know what Talia mm-hmm. or Paul Tyson gets the number two reps, and I, I think we're gonna have to. I I can tell you, I, he's not ready. Is what the coaches tell me. Um, he's not his brother. He's not as good. Um, he's right-handed by the way, for people who are interested. Um, but is there a possibility? Yeah. If Mac, you know, I, I think more of an injury would be the issue. Um, but you know, if he really struggles, I think it really depends Scott on how effective those other two guys are in practice. Cause again, this is, if you go back a couple of years ago, keep in mind, Jalen Hurts is a starter and Tua is just getting better and better in practice. Yep. yep. And all of a sudden, enough to where they're confident in, my God, at halftime of the national championship game, we need a spark. We're ready to go. They don't feel the same way about any of these guys, you know, Paul, Talia, or Mac Jones. Uh, they don't feel the same about any of those guys in terms of maybe being the spark. So I think it would have to be a, an injury or a a real regression of play. And I think they're going to run a lot of safe pass and stuff with Mac to where I think it's a long shot if they see that. But it, but injuries obviously can change that. Let's uh, keep going in the SEC, Chris. And I think the East is just wide open this year. Uh, I was very impressed with Florida going into South Carolina, a team that was playing with a lot of hype after beating Georgia. Uh, It was a struggle early on in that game, but then in the fourth quarter, Florida pulled away. Florida now 7-1, and and if you ask Dan Mullen, he says the season is ahead of them, right? Because you got the Georgia game coming up on November 2nd, and that's it. You can win the SEC East by winning that game against Georgia I I like what I see out of this Florida team. You know, Sands that lost to LSU, which was closer than people realize. If you look at the final score, it's not going to look that close. Uh, Florida hung around with them for a little while. I I see this SEC East as wide open, and, and why not the Gators, Chris? Well, you know, why not indeed? Um, I think while LSU-Alabama is going to be great next week, Georgia, Florida is going to be really a lot of fun and and almost on a par with excitement, which at the beginning of the year, I certainly noted what I felt was a decided personnel advantage between Georgia and Florida. Uh, Georgia's just not getting enough out of the passing game. And I think they have come back 
and to where I think this is a game that could go either way. I agree with you. I would add to the fact that because they have an open date, both do, Florida, Georgia, uh, Florida is going to get some defensive guys back. It looks Agreed. like they're going to get yeah, both of their point. defensive ends that did not play against LSU. So I, I think that um, absolutely, why not? Um, the way Georgia is playing, they're going to have to get more out of their passing game to beat Florida. Uh, so, I, I listen, I think that's going to be a great game and in some ways um, could be as intriguing as um, as LSU Alabama. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I, I think it's going to be, uh, um, you know, it's, it's again, a lot more wide open than we thought. I think that that Florida is so well coached. They're getting they're maximizing what they have. Georgia is more talented, but uh, Georgia is certainly getting it. Uh, Florida is certainly getting it done. And, and uh, I think that's going to be a great one uh, next week. Isn't just amazing about Kyle Trask. This guy wasn't even a starter in high school because right. he sat he sat behind De'Ara King, who uh, you know is sitting out for Houston right now. So Correct. he sits behind De'Ara King in high school, and he sits behind Felipe Franks at Florida, and now he's thrust into this starting job. And man, yeah, I just continue to be impressed by him on a week in week out basis. You know, um, I'm going to speak up for him in that you know, uh, and nothing against anybody else who decides to do what they want to do, but didn't transfer, worked hard. Yeah. Um, did what he was supposed to do worked. You never know when your opportunity is going to come about and there it is. And and he's just walked through that door and run through it because I, I think the offense is better. I think that while he's still making some occasional mistakes, he moves the team more consistently than, than Felipe Franks did. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I actually think it's a big part of why they've had success. I, you know, I don't know that they're in the same position that they're in. If, if Franks is in there, we'll never know, but you know, I, I think the reality is, is that they're in really good shape. And I think Dan Mullen deserves um, the majority of the credit for getting these guys ready and tailoring a game plan that fits what he can do well. And they're not even getting much out of the running game. They get two or three plays out of the run game that make a difference they're just really coach. I, I just keep saying if they're able to get to the point to where they can maximize the talent level and get to where the elite programs in the SEC are talent level wise, uh, look out because they are an elite level program in terms of coaching. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of opportunities, Lovey Smith and his Illinois fighting Illini were opportunistic on Saturday and they upset the number six team in the nation, Wisconsin, who offensively, they, you know, they they do what they do in running the football, and Jonathan Taylor becomes the uh, fastest player to rush for five thousand career yards, just the fourth running back to do so before his senior season. Defensively, Wisconsin was up there, some of the best in the in the nation. If you looked at their numbers, their red zone defense, their scoring defense, yards allowed. This is as bad a loss as you're going to find, Chris, in that Big Ten conference. Well, I think people have to understand what Wisconsin is. The, the the reason why they're so good is because their finished product is so good. They're well coached. They play well together. They're smart. They're tough. They're physical. They're focused. The sum it, is greater un, than the parts. Un, unlike other teams that sometimes they don't play well, but still win. Wisconsin is not that type of team. So when any of those things that I mentioned are a little bit off, then, you know, maybe you don't have as good a week of practice. You're not as motivated for them. You're looking ahead to an Ohio State game. They can't, they can't, they can't be less than their sharpest and get away with it. 
Um, on the other side, Illinois has been getting better in stretches. Played Nebraska very well, could have won it. There have been a couple of games they could have won. Um, I didn't see this happening. Uh, neither did Wisconsin. And therein lies the issue. I don't think it was a, as well coached as they are. It was not a well-orchestrated game plan. They, I thought, kind of panicked a little bit down the stretch. Why didn't they run the aforementioned Jonathan Taylor more down the stretch? I mean, they could have gotten out of it with a quote-unquote ugly win. Instead, it's an ugly loss, which mm-hmm. is, quite frankly, a lot worse. I, I think that is just the bottom line is that's kind of where they where they are. They're, they're really good, and they're really capable. Only when everything is just clicking right, and it, and it doesn't always click right. If it doesn't click quite as good for Ohio State in most of these games, it's going to be the margin of victory. And no one that's not studying film with a trained eye is going to even notice it. Mm. So this is just one of those cases where when you don't play as sharp, you're not at your best, which is tough to do. Yeah, you end up losing. But I, I did not see it in this game. You could see this happening maybe against a team that had a little bit better personnel that maybe Northwestern or Michigan State or something, but in, it happened here. Why their focus didn't appear like it was quite it was a trap what game. it needed to be. You yeah. know, we talk you know, about it all the time, Chris. There, there's a trap game and a letdown game. The, the letdown game was for South Carolina going into Florida. That's a letdown game. You're coming off the emotional high of beating the number three team in the nation. Now you're home and you have a letdown against a team coming in there that's, that's better than you. But still, that's the letdown. The letdown game is after the emotional high, you have the letdown. The trap game is when you're clearly looking ahead to the following game. I guarantee you, and no one's going to admit it, Chris, but I guarantee you, not just the players, there were probably parts of that week of preparation that the coaching staff actually spent on Ohio State, thinking that they're going to breeze by Illinois and let's get a couple of extra hours in on Ohio State to prepare for how we're going to pull off the upset in Columbus. This was the ultimate trap game scenario, and they fell right into it. Well, and this is what you you can't have happen. And when you're either you either are going to be elite where you have the type of talent where you can get away with that type of effort, or you know uh, you you have to be on every every week. Now, I don't think they match up very well against Ohio State athletically. So this is going to be the narrative if it happens the way I anticipate it happening. Then the narrative: Well, Wisconsin was really overrated, and well, I mean. You know, they're still good. I don't think they're Ohio State good. Um, I think Penn State's got a little bit more playmaking ability, but I think it's Ohio State and everyone else in the Big Ten. And I think Wisconsin's really good, but this is an ugly loss. There's no question about it. It's one that they shouldn't – it shouldn't have happened, um, you know, if, if, again, they play a cleaner game and play with a greater level of focus. It it just shouldn't have happened, but it does. It does happen, and, again – I I think we explained why it happened. Besides Ohio State, like if you had to say who's the most impressive team on tape right now, would it be LSU? The way that Joe Burrow's playing, the way that the offense has looked, uh, and defensively, of course. I mean, and they didn't they they just recruited another another star defensive back. I mean, this is DBU, Chris. Mm-hmm. It really is unbelievable. Uh, they just got the top defensive back in the country, I believe. Um, have they been the most impressive on tape to you? Uh, 
Well, um, I, I think offensively they have. Uh, I think defensively they're getting better. Uh, I think everybody's a little flawed. Now, Ohio State hadn't played, you know, what I'd call really good people yet, good schedule yet, but they've been really complete. Alabama um, had been really good. I, I would say that Alabama has looked as good. I think right now putting LSU ahead is more of anticipating without yeah, the injury. But uh-huh. I, think, I, think, I think you could make a case for LSU number two. I think Clemson is – very underrated defensively, but offensively not been clean. And I think Oklahoma's done a nice job. Those are the teams in that order that I would would rank. But I, I would definitely put it put LSU right there. And I think LSU's chances of matching up with any of those top teams would be pretty good. But the Buckeyes are are really good. They seem to be really focused. I don't see anybody in the conference that could beat them. Uh, well, again, see if the Wisconsin can – you know, able to control the football and make it a close game. Who knows? Um, but I, I do think the Buckeyes are, are really playing well. And the game this week is intriguing, but the Ohio State-Penn State game is shaping up to be, you know, maybe a different type of challenge. Um, and we'll see what, what they could do against Ohio State. Big games, you know, Ohio State usually fares pretty well, and I think they have a personnel advantage um, against both of those teams. What was the, what's the name of the kid that just committed to, to LSU? The, oh, um, the, the defensive. That's what the, I'm talking about. They got like one of the top defensive backs that just committed or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, they 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 did. I I forget the young kid's yeah. name, quite frankly. Oh, but uh, Joel. Uh, no, no. That's, that's uh, uh, anyway, I, for, I I forgot it, but I was I just remember reading that this week, and I'm like, the rich get richer when it comes to defensive backs. Well, at LSU. they've got a, they've got a history of that, and they've done a very good job with them. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some of these games this weekend, Chris, because you got a lot of really good ones. Uh, you talked briefly about Ohio State and Wisconsin, about how they match up. But, you know, this Penn State team now has to go into East Lansing and take on Michigan State. You don't want to have that letdown that we talked about. They're coming off an emotional high of beating Michigan. Now, you don't want to let down against Michigan State because for Penn State now ranked sixth in the country, it's laying out ahead of them. Tough game next week at Minnesota, or not next week, the following after an open date. Tough game at Minnesota. But believe me, everyone's circling that game November 23rd at Ohio State as potentially the Big Ten East championship game, a.k.a. the Big Ten semifinals. Well, there's no question about it. They're a good-looking team. I've said it that as I study them on tape, they look really good defensively. They continue to look good defensively. They can really get after you with pass rush. Um, it's about their offense and it's their ability to be able to make plays, explosive plays. Can they can they make enough plays to beat on Ohio State's gonna be the key. I think for Michigan State, um, this is a team that doesn't have enough offense. I just don't see their ability to be able to break out offensively against this type of Penn State defense. So I, I like Penn State's chances. Uh, we'll get into it in a couple of weeks, but but I like their chances athletically against Minnesota. That is assuming, and I assume that they will beat Maryland. It will be unbeaten, two unbeaten teams. I, I think that, that Penn State matches up very well. As I said, I think the only team that has more athletic, more athleticism is Ohio State in the league. Eight years ago today was the Kirk Cousins Hail Mary 
to beat uh, Wisconsin. Michigan State's win over Wisconsin, October 22nd, 2011. So there's uh, some history here as we record this podcast. Uh, Sticking in the Big Ten, how does Michigan now respond after that loss? And they have to welcome in a rival in Notre Dame to Michigan Stadium. Well, listen, I thought they did some good things against um, Penn State, but the reality is they're just not there offensively. Um, can they muster a win against Notre Dame? They can, um, but they're going to have to do it defensively. They're going to have to find a way to contain Ian Book and the Notre Dame offense. Notre Dame just looks a little better, and that uh, to me is the the real crux of the matter. Michigan is a good team. They've just been – I think falsely hyped, yeah. you know, in, in much like Texas has this year, just, you know, for no reason other than people just assume based upon uh, this game or that game, game or whatever, just, yeah, they're, they're, they're just, to me, Notre Dame's a little bit better. And uh, I think if Notre Dame plays their best game that they will likely uh, take care of business on the road, but it is, um, you know, a game in which there's a lot of pressure on Harbaugh in that, you know, the media pressures there. There's not the internal pressure. And you know, I keep getting this. He's coaching for his job. He's not coaching for his job, I can tell you. It's, you know, he's going to be there as long as he wants to be there. I think that, I mean, you know, he's certainly not this year. You know, eventually it gets worse than at some point. But, um, you know, there, there's just a belief that the program is in better shape than it used to be and that it's, you know, but but certainly when you lose games like this and I anticipate a loss to Ohio State and I anticipate them losing this game and losing to Penn State and losing to Wisconsin, you just, you, you know, I just the eight and fours just can't be sitting well. I know it's not sitting well for a lot of their fan base, but the people that make the decisions are disappointed, but they're a little bit more understanding than the fan base is. This would be, on the other hand, a big win if he's able to get it done. There, there's no question about it. But um I look at it and I think, you know, the, the biggest issue and I think the biggest thing he's got to correct is, you know, offensively. They they just don't look like Michigan should look like. At the line of scrimmage up front, offensively, the running backs, uh, the receivers are not bad, but they're not great. And the quarterback, I mean, why haven't they been able to figure that out? They do a good job on the defensive side. They develop well on the defensive side. Um, and quite frankly, the offense has just let them down. It has – during Jim's entire tenure there. Well, arguably the game of the day, Chris, is that 3.30 Eastern time CBS game. It's the SEC game of the week. It's LSU and Auburn, a huge game in the SEC West standings because, hey, Auburn still believes they are in this thing, and a win over LSU would certainly uh, prove that point. But we talked about how well the Tigers are playing. uh, (laughs) Battle of the Tigers, both of them in this game. We talked about the LSU Tigers and how they're playing offensively. Who wins the Tiger Bowl here, Chris? Well, certainly LSU looks like the better team here, and I would suspect that they'll win. This game's lost a little bit of a luster because obviously Auburn's Lost to Florida. I mean, it made the Florida LSU game that much more prominent, but probably suppressed this game a little bit in 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 the maybe the national perspective. But you know, I do think it's a dangerous game because Auburn is a very good defensive team, very good, uh, and and I think that it's going to be the biggest challenge that this LSU team, this LSU offense, has had this year, and how they handle that's going to be interesting. And Auburn is 
you know, kind of playing with house money. I don't think anybody expect Auburn Auburn to win this game. So I think this is uh, one of those matchups to where because of the perception that LSU is now the team to beat, they're the ones that, okay, are they looking ahead to Alabama in a couple of weeks and, you know, chomping on the bed and overlooking an Auburn team? Is Gus with maybe house money going to be a little aggressive here? Do they – figure out a way to run the football. If they do, they can control the ball and the control the line of scrimmage offensively, maybe get a few big plays against this LSU defense and maybe reduce the LSU offensive possessions, let's say by one and a half. And then, you know, as, as Florida played well, uh, you know, is Auburn capable of doing it? Yes. Is Auburn's offense as well coached as Florida is? No. But it's there's a capability of Auburn putting it together, and while I think you know most would be shocked if LSU were to lose it and Auburn were to win it, we know that it is possible. And um, and you know it's it's a listen it's a it's a stiff test and one in which you know LSU can continue to improve. I'm curious to see as I expect Ohio State to win against Wisconsin. Those are the two along with the Notre Dame Michigan of the three biggest games of the week. Not that it matters at all, Scott, but people like to talk about it. And I've been asked this, so I throw this out. I do think Ohio State will maintain their number one ranking. But if LSU would impressively beat Auburn, and let's say Ohio State struggles against Wisconsin, could LSU ascend maybe to the number one spot? Uh, Again, not that it matters now, but we're two weeks away from the opening of the committee uh, unveiling so I think we're close enough to the point where we can begin to speculate how it might look out at the beginning. So uh, this is going to be interesting. And obviously this is the last game that LSU plays prior to the Alabama game. So winning this game is obviously imperative to keep their hopes alive. Uh, weather in Baton Rouge right now calling for rain. How does that affect both of these teams um, the way that they play? I, I Well, I, it, it doesn't. And, you know, the the weather is expecting some rain. I don't know how severe it's going to be. It's looking like it it, it won't be that big of an issue if it ends up being uh, like we had with you know um, the Niners and the Redskins yeah. on Sunday. <laughs> then that that's where it has an effect. Where it is raining so hard at the game time to where you can't cover the field. Where it it just it it doesn't have time to drain then it becomes an issue. Um, You know, it is, there's, there's no indication that it, 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 we don't know yet. And weather predictions are so skittish Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. um, I I don't think it's going to be a factor uh, because if it rains a lot before the drainage and the way they cover it, it's, it's a sand based stadium. So it, it'll drain well. It's just whether you have a deluge during the course of the game, which by the way, it happened with Georgia, Kentucky last week as well. Yeah. Where it just was a footing issue. Um, if, if it is that, well, then it certainly affects maybe LSU's footing and maybe ability to make plays. But um, I think it's a little premature for that. On Thursday night, uh nice matchup in the AAC undefeated SMU against Houston. Um, this is a Houston team that obviously has got issues because, well, they just, you know, they're losing their best players in terms of the quarterbacks and, and people are sitting out. But Logan Hogerson uh, appears to have that job for his dad. 
And how do you see Houston coming out here at home and battling against an SMU squad that righted the ship last week against Temple after looking awful against uh, Tulsa a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, it'll. Uh, I expect they'll play very well at home. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of points. I think they'll they'll try to work Temple and try to match points with SMU. I do think that this SMU team is looks like the last group of five hope with Boise going down to BYU. There's mm-hmm. doesn't look like a uh, you know a team in the group of five that is um, is worthy of a group of you know six game. So, you know, SMU looks like the most intriguing team. It's been a great story. As you mentioned, the game against Tulsa was not real impressive, but for the most part, Sonny's had his team ready to play. Listen, when you're an offensive-oriented team, there are going to be days where, you know, you're just – you're not quite on or even when you're on because, as I've always liked to stress, the tempo makes it such that your defense can't stop anybody. So it's going to be interesting to see – how this plays out, but I, I do like SMU's, you know, chances, the, the conf, the, the schedule though, and the conference is pretty challenging and they're going to, they're going to be some uh, hurdles after this Houston game as well. They got to get over. You know, I, I got to bring this up. One of the, uh, it's going to be the last top 25 game of the weekend, right? For, if you know, pac 12 after dark action. Yeah. This Oregon ducks team, Chris uh, goes into Washington and comes away with a statement victory in, in that, in that rivalry game. And I know a lot of people have written off the Pac-12 because it it seems to happen every year. You're right off the Pac-12. But this is an Oregon team that could boast itself with 12 straight wins, maybe, after losing that season opening game to Auburn, in which they lost with nine seconds left in that game. Can the Ducks make a case for you at the end of the year as being playoff worthy? Oh, yeah. They're, They're a better team then people give them credit for it because let's just call it like it is. Most people don't watch them play. Uh, they really don't. I can tell when people talk about the it. best defensive team in the country. I mean, they, they, they well, won but, 63 but, possessions, Chris, without allowing a touchdown. Well, they're really good defensively. They've got the best offensive line in the country. They're a good football team. Um, you know, if, if you put them up against Oklahoma, um, I don't know what would happen. I mean, I, I'd like Oklahoma just a tad, but, you know, it's a lot closer than people might think. Most people that don't really study the game would say, oh, Oklahoma's much better. Look, I, I think it's a lot closer um, than, than people think. And, and again, I think it has to do with the fact if you take every conference, uh, they've got a, a marquee team that's really good. I, I think Oregon is the closest thing in the Pac-12. I think we need to be careful because there's still some hurdles. If Oregon runs the table and beats a good Utah team in the conference championship game, they absolutely are deserving to be in the discussion. They certainly are worthy of being in that mix. Now, would they get in? Well, they're not going to get in over an unbeaten Oklahoma or an unbeaten Clemson. Um, And I don't think they would get over in over a one loss Ohio State Big Ten champion or a one-loss SEC champion. I do think um, probably let's just play this out. Um, if if and again, I don't see this happening, but if Wisconsin rebounds and mm-hmm. you know beats Ohio State, that would be twice. 
that would resonate better. And even though a loss to Illinois to me is really damaging, probably the two wins. I don't know how the committee would look at Wisconsin versus Oregon in a potential. I don't think that's going to be the case. So if you look at it, SEC, you know, champ, uh, Big Ten champ, like Ohio State, it, Clemson, Oklahoma, unbeaten would would absolutely get in. In my opinion, I think week in and week out in the Pac-12 is just as difficult, if not a little bit more than the Big 12, and is more difficult than the ACC. So a one-loss Clemson and a one-loss Oklahoma, in my opinion, if Oregon were to win out, they would be very deserving of every bit of consideration. Yet, you wonder if brand name, Clemson's defending champ, Oklahoma's mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. You, you know that subliminally that has an impact, although no one wants to admit that. So I think they're dealing with it in that regard. I mean, look, if this was a, if this, everything that Oregon was doing, they, the same players, they look the same, um, you know, the same sketch and all of a sudden, but, but they were in USC uniforms, there would be a different perception. No, you're absolutely right, Chris. Uh, you're right. It is somewhat of an East Coast bias with them, but also if they had a little bit of name recognition as well. All right, so we're headed towards the uh, end of October here. Uh, you know, so that's kind of how it's looking. And look, over at LandryFootball.com, we're breaking down all of them. We're breaking down each game. We're breaking down my conference. We review them inside the film room. So as the games are over in the weekend, we, we not only tell you what happened, but why it happened, take you inside the film room. All our podcasts, it's one-stop shopping football. And certainly for the in-depth film room analysis, uh, it's less than a magazine subscription. So take advantage of it today. We've got a 50% discount for football season. So um, great opportunity. If you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com and learn more about the game and the college game, the pro game, uh, better than you ever had. Look, recruiting, the draft, all the NFL stuff, not just college football. So check it out. Great weekend of action. Scott, and can't wait to break it down on the website and here. Absolutely. And be sure to subscribe to the College Football Film Room Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Give us a little rating and review as well because every little bit helps out. Follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me at Scott's on Air. He's Chris Landry. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This has been the College Football Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Talk to you next week, Chris. Hey, look forward to it, Scott. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.